I'm Anna. I'm Riley. This is Ill-Advised Stories. Written by my dad. He's my dad too! <laughs> Can we have our allowance now? Bluey at the museum. Abby looked down at her little stuffed animal, then up at the giant elephants frozen in place. There were five, no six, no seven, all standing in a row, packed tight, towering over her in the middle of a platform in the center of the big room. Are you okay? She asked Bluey, holding him snugly in her arms. She was worried he might be upset seeing others of his species out on display like this. It was noisy in the museum hall. Voices echoed everywhere off the high ceiling. Even the balconies above were packed, but Abby had a tough time seeing them as she wasn't very tall. The elephants weren't the only animals present. All sorts of creatures surrounded them, displayed behind glass and frozen in dioramas, with painted backgrounds. They looked so alive, but oddly frozen. She looked at those strange deer and the big lions with their glassy eyes. They didn't move, but some part of them seemed to be staring back at her. There was a mood in the museum today, a feeling of spookiness as Halloween quickly approached. Bluey, her elephant, peered out from her arms, looking at his majestic cousins. He surprised Abby with his answer. I am wonderful, and this is all so fascinating. I've always thought those elephants at the zoo were a bit full of themselves. The way they move all about and splash in their pools, eating all that nasty hay. These gentle creatures are far more my style. The only one that could hear Bluey was Abby. This is often the way with a child, who has a favorite stuffed animal. Their thoughts and words are private, shared between the two. Across the room was a lion with its noble mane, a single tooth edged out beneath its whiskers. Not everyone in here is gentle, Abby said. She and her father were on a trip to the Museum of Natural History in New York. Her mom was working a weekend shift, and he'd asked Abby what she'd like to do with her day. They didn't live far from the city, only three hours by car, so they woke early and drove down on a quiet Connecticut highway where the leaves had begun to change. It was gray outside, with a light drizzle making the ground wet and the tires on the cars rolled loudly on the pavement. Arriving a bit before the museum opened, they took their place at the back of the line. Above the doors was a large banner with a jack-o'-lantern. It wasn't the friendly kind like Abby carved. Its eyes were cut in triangles, and its mouth was full of jagged teeth. People were pushed close together beneath the massive arch to avoid the drizzle, but there wasn't much space to spare. It looks like they're doing some Halloween stuff, Abby's dad said, as a security officer unlocked the spinning doors. Slowly, all the people pushed in. Mixed into the crowd, Abby felt very small, even holding her father's hand. The front rotunda of the museum was awe-inspiring, with massive pillars climbing high to a vaulted ceiling. The room had to be tall to fit the two dinosaurs, or at least their bones in the center. An Allosaurus and a Barosaurus, predator and prey, were posed in combat. The Allosaurus looked like a leaner, smaller version of a T-Rex, while the Barosaurus was a four-legged creature with a lengthy neck nearly as tall as the building. Its skeleton reared back and away, avoiding the bony jaws of the other dinosaur. This was Abby's first time at the museum, so she didn't notice how the lighting had been changed reflecting the Halloween season. Lurid greens and oranges shone off the bones as crowds poured in behind Abby and her dad, urging them to keep moving. She would have liked time to appreciate the dinosaurs, but her dad was pulling ahead. He didn't like crowds, and the rotunda was quickly filling. Abby tugged back only for a moment, grabbing a map before they entered the next hall. She'd come to see a very specific creature and wouldn't be satisfied until she did. Map in hand, they entered the Hall of African Animals, 
where they peered up at the pachyderms, and Abby explained to her little friend, These elephants don't move because they can't. They're like statues. Abby glanced back at the lions. Does it bother you that they're not alive anymore? You don't have to move to be alive. I'm not all that mobile, but here we are having a conversation. Besides, don't you remember that movie, the one about the security guard at night? Abby shook her head. That was only a movie. Bluey wanted to shake his head too, but couldn't. So instead, he gave Abby the saddest of looks. You miss so much when you say this thing is only this or it's only that. I prefer to think what else could something be. Perhaps based on a true story? I suppose when you think of it that way, it doesn't seem so bad that these animals are here and stuffed. Abby said. What's wrong with being stuffed? Bluey demanded. Nothing, never mind. Abby tried to open her map, but her father still held her hand. He started off again, going closer to the glass walls that contained the other animals. Dad, do you see the Tasmanian tiger? Abby asked, looking around. Not yet, but this room is all about Africa. Tasmania is a different place, her dad said. It's extinct, Abby told him. Hunters killed them all. Now there's no more, but there's supposed to be one here. I saw it on a show. I'm sure we'll come across it, her dad comforted her before adding. You know, one of the reasons they made this museum was to show people all the animals that are at risk. There weren't TVs or anything back when they built it. So President Roosevelt helped create this place, hoping that if the people could see the wild parts of the world, they'd want to protect them, even lands as far off as Tasmania. Abby nodded, listening, but what she really wanted was to look at her map. Her dad wasn't letting go of her, and he was moving again, trying to stay ahead of the other groups in the room. Abby could feel his hands sweating. Can we slow down for a second? She asked. Sure, sure, her dad said, finding a corner to stand in. Abby, why is your dad so nervous? Is he afraid the lions will get him when they come alive? Bluey asked as Abby tucked him tight under her arm. She got the color-coded map open and looked over it as she answered. I don't think so. He always gets like this in busy places. Then why does he go? Blue's voice was muffled and buried under her arm. What else is he going to do? Hide in the house all day? She sounded distracted as she went from one floor to the next on the map, trying to find any area that could be home to an extinct animal from the South Pacific. There were so many halls in the museum. Areas dedicated to dinosaurs, sea life, and North American animals. There were places for people too, Eskimos, Africans, South Americans, but nothing fit for a Tasmanian tiger. Not exactly anyway. The Hall of Biodiversity seemed like the most likely spot, even though Abby wasn't sure what that word meant. It still sounded better than looking for an extinct animal in a place like a planetarium. What if the tiger doesn't have a home? What if he came alive and never went back to sleep? You don't think he'd eat a little elephant like me? Bluey asked Abby. And you thought my dad was nervous. Abby answered before muttering. You're going back on a strict diet of cartoons. She stared at the map for a moment, then said to her dad while pointing back towards the rotunda. I think we should go that way. There is a set of stairs that'll take us down to the first floor. Her dad looked back the way they'd come. He saw all the people pushing in, but nodded his head anyway, taking her hand and starting off. They stayed close to the wall, far to the left, where Abby could feel the coolness of the stone. Pushing through the people, they found a nearly empty, quiet, and dark stairwell. Voices echoed from above, but hardly any sound came from below. Her father seemed more relaxed, not bothered at all by the lack of people. 
Abby was thinking about what Bluey had said. As ridiculous as the idea of these animals coming alive was, her mind couldn't help playing with the thought, imagining the tiger stalking up behind them. They'd only gone a short distance, but suddenly it felt like they had the museum to themselves. They took each step carefully, going down. At the bottom was a sign welcoming them to the Hall of Biodiversity. Abby felt a little thrill at her navigation skills as they passed through the entrance, seeing a movie screen and displays with benches in front of it. Abby and her dad weren't holding hands anymore. Her father was more comfortable without the crowds, and Abby was more comfortable with something as common as a movie screen. Oh my, we found ourselves in a jungle, Louie said. Abby took her eyes from the screen and looked up, realizing there was a small forest running down the center of the hall. A glass wall kept it partially contained as the trees reached up over the barrier and the branches hung down, swallowing light, making a dark, shadowy space in the center of the room. The large display created an illusion that the forest was much deeper, with strange lights shining through from the other side. The space was filled with a sense of wonder and airiness that caused Abby to whisper, Did they plant these here? The sensation was made even stronger by the fact that they had the room to themselves. They were completely alone. I don't know. This is the first time I've seen a forest inside a building. Perhaps it's magic. Bluey's voice was full of awe. They passed beneath the trees and came around to the other side. A white, soft, glowing display took up the furthest wall of the room. It was covered in creatures, big and small, more than Abby could count. She saw butterflies and ferrets, plants and parrots. Far overhead were sharks of all different sizes, staring out with their dark eyes, while other strange creatures of the deep hung from the roof with them. A giant octopus was dwarfed by a squid four times its size, but even the squid couldn't compare to the length of the jellyfish that took up a long stretch of the ceiling with shimmering tendrils dangling behind it like streamers. There was so much to see, so many places for her eyes to go. But as is often the case with human nature, Abby found the most frightening thing on the wall. A giant crab with its long spindly arms looking more like a spider clinging above her. She didn't like spiders. Not one bit. Bluey saw it too. Ooh, now that one I hope stays right where it is. Abby didn't want to go anywhere near it. But her father was moving on ahead, reading the displays below all the creatures. Is this your tiger? Bluey asked. Abby turned to see what he meant, and jumped back in surprise. There was a giant cat looking right back at her. In fact, there were two, one for each direction. But Abby's eyes were only focused on the one closest to her, with its teeth bared and its eyes seemed to stare right at her. The creature was much smaller than the elephants upstairs, but still much larger than her. She realized it was behind glass and let out a breath. <gasps> Abby glanced at the display. No, that's a Siberian tiger. The Tasmanian is much smaller, more like a big dog. They only called it a tiger because it has stripes on its back. I think I'd rather mess with Mr. Crab back there, Louis said. Abby looked back at the crab's spindly arms that were almost as long as she was tall, and the pincers in its mouth. Want to mess with either. Abby pulled out her map again. She looked over every floor, wondering where her tiger could be. Dad, you don't see it in here, do you? The Tasmanian tiger? He asked, coming over and taking the map from her hand. He did the same thing as her, going over each floor with his eyes. This would be the best fit. Although, what about this spot, the Hall of Advanced Mammals? No, it can't be that one. The Tasmanian tiger wasn't a mammal. It was a marsupial, like a kangaroo. Oh, obviously. Her dad said with a smile, 
Silly me. Although it did feed on kangaroos, which I think is a bit odd. Guess there's no team marsupial, Abby said. Oh my, kangaroos aren't small. If it could eat one of those, then I don't stand a chance, Louie whined. The little elephant listened with his big ears. He could hear something approaching back the way they came, on the other side of the forest. Do you think it knows we're looking for it? What if it's looking for us? Abby turned and stared through the trees, wondering if she saw something moving inside there. Her eyes went back to the Siberian tiger again, not certain if it were standing in the same spot. Maybe it had twitched a little. It really did look so alive. She couldn't shake the feeling that she was being washed as she heard the sound from the other side of the forest. She waited to see if something was going to come out. When her dad handed back the map, she jumped. We're going to try and see as much of the museum as we can. Why don't we keep going and maybe we'll come across it? Perhaps we already missed it. Maybe it hasn't made its way back yet, Louis suggested, still staring at the trees that seemed like the perfect place for a predator. They both kept their eyes on the dark forest in the center of the room. Was there something moving in there? Or was it just the reflection of the light from the other side? Louis's big ears didn't move. Not so anyone else could tell. But Abby thought they may have perked up a little, intent on some sound. Footsteps coming towards them. Or maybe padded paws. Abby's hands tightened on the corner of her map as Bluey interrupted her thoughts. What about that room with no label? It was the only part of the paper that wasn't crinkled. Abby pulled it wider and looked at the page. It said temporary display over it. Dad, what about this one? She pointed it out to her father. He was already at the exit, but he turned at her voice saying, You gotta come see this. They've got a giant whale. Abby kept her attention on the map as she asked. No tiger though, right? Her dad rolled his eyes and came back to her, glancing over her shoulder. He looked at the room she was pointing to and said, that's an exhibit hall that they change every once in a while. But it doesn't say what's there now. Can we go look? Abby asked. You don't want to come see the whale first? I know I do. I've never seen a whale before, Louis said. Abby answered. Of course I want to see the whale. And I want to see the dinosaurs and everything else too. But then can we go check out this hall? I think it might be something special. Sure, yes, we can see whatever you want, as long as I get to see the planetarium. Her dad had a thrill in his voice, loving anything to do with space. They started off going into the next room, where the whale hung in the center. It was massive, filling the whole area above two floors, looking a bit like a hot air balloon beneath the long blue lights hidden in the ceiling. And I thought elephants were big, Bluey said. That's a blue whale, the largest animal on the planet, Abby's dad pointed out. There's something I like about this guy. Something I like about this whole room. Bluey commented, making Abby laugh a little. Is it maybe the color? She asked. I am fond of certain shades, Bluey answered. They spent the rest of their day going from hall to hall, floor to floor, seeing more of the world and its people than you think possible in a single day. They saw dinosaur bones and distant planets, local birds and grizzly bears, more items from all the years of science and discovery than could be named in any story smaller than an encyclopedia. What they never saw, though, was the Tasmanian tiger. With every room she entered, she hoped to see the creature frozen in time like all the other animals, to satisfy her curiosity about it. In the show she watched, they said there were no more of them left. They'd been hunted to extinction. But Abby wondered if maybe in some wild place the tigers had found somewhere to hide. A few of the museum's displays that weren't in massive halls were less crowded, 
and some of the passageways and stairwells were almost empty as Abby and her father passed through them. Those were the times when she thought about the woods in the Hall of Biodiversity, and she wondered if she could hear the padding of feet again. Was the tiger there, or maybe very close, stalking her? You hear it too? Louie asked more than once. Each time, Abby would assure the little elephant. I'm sure it's just her imagination. But while she was in those places, she'd stay close to her dad, holding his hand, clinging tight to it. Then she'd see something else amazing and relax, putting her fears away. They could have spent days at the museum and still found new things. But eventually they started back toward the exit and toward that one hall, the mystery room without a label. They passed through primates and came to a set of wide doors, one of which was closed and the other only partially open. Above it was a banner with the same jack-o'-lantern picture from outside, only it was creepier here with the dark opening beneath it. The words on it read, Superstitions of the World. Looks like some sort of Halloween display, Abby's dad said. Might be a little scary. You sure you want to go in? Abby nodded. We haven't found the tiger anywhere else, so it must be in here. I think I'd rather stay in the hall. What is your obsession with this animal anyway? Louie asked. Abby shrugged her shoulders. It's strange and different from anything else. I suppose it's not really that important, but something about it just makes me want to see it. Abby looked behind them, back toward the primate exhibit, where monkeys hung in their displays. Both Bluey and she could see shadows moving back there. Obviously, these were people. As the hours went past, the museum had continued to fill. They could hear voices echoing towards them. Surely, if there had been a tiger back there, lurking around the display cases, someone would have said so. I'd really rather not leave you out here by yourself. Ahead of them, they heard nothing. The room past the jack-o'-lantern was quiet, except for a breeze that felt like it could be coming from outside. A cool gust of fall air. Okay, here we go, Abby's dad let out a sigh. It's a common thing with fathers that when they return to their wives, they're always worried about what their children will report. They have no wish to receive a look of disapproval because their daughter fell off a kayak or had an accident on a jungle gym. Psychological damage is even worse, so maybe the Pirates of the Caribbean was a little scarier than he remembered, giving Abby nightmares for a week or so. That didn't make him a bad father. Still, he worried that going into this room would do the same thing. But here's the other thing about dads. For the most part, they are big kids themselves, and kids are always looking to test their fears. That's why they stepped forward with Bluey whining, Oh, I wish I could close my eyes. The lighting in the room was moody. Shades of purple and blue casting shadows in all directions and on every display. There was a central walkway with exhibits on either side, cases holding masks and memorabilia from a number of cultures. The image of a playful black cat was projected, moving along the columns and the floors, while the shadow of a phantom ladder was laid across the walkway. The first display they saw was a small stand of trees and a sign inviting them to knock on wood. This place has a real thing for putting forests inside, Bluey said. According to the sign, the custom of knocking on wood for good luck goes back to pagan times when people believed that spirits lived inside the trees, Abby said as her and her dad leaned forward, wrapping their knuckles against the bark. The tree rung with a hollow sound. It's not real, Abby said, glancing around the tree to see if there was anything behind it. But there was only a wall. She didn't notice that the map she'd been clinging to this whole time had slipped from her hand. No, it's just a prop. I doubt any of this stuff is real. If 
there letting us touch it, her dad pointed out. I'd still like to give it a tap, Bluey begged. Abby held him forward, pushing his soft front foot against the tree. It feels real enough to me, the little elephant said. The next display was an elaborate set of mirrors and a heavy metal frame made into a circle that a person could step into. Abby and her dad went in before reading the sign. As they looked at themselves, Bluey's voice whispered, Abby, I saw something moving behind us. Look there in the mirror. There was one mirror pointed back the way they'd come. Abby saw the movement too. It's probably just other people, she said, sticking her head back out. Her eyes went to the little cat projection as it bounced from column to column. It was nowhere near the trees, but something else was moving there, down low and behind the fake woods. She stared at it, but there were too many shadows. I'm going to push this button. Do you want to see what happens? Her dad asked. She stepped back into the circle, but her eyes stayed on that one mirror, the one pointed back toward the woods. Her dad leaned forward, touching a little switch. Suddenly, all the mirrors started to break. Long cracks spread from one to the next. The pieces fell and disappeared, but they never hit the floor. What happened? What did you do? Abby asked. It's fine, kiddo. See? Her dad leaned forward to touch the mirror. Bluey, who was looking at the shattered display, saw something approaching in the last piece. There was a form coming up behind them. It's here for us! The tiger is here! He cried. Abby heard footsteps. She turned, expecting large teeth and a creature to descend on her. She tensed up, closing her eyes. Then she heard a voice say, Sir, please don't touch the display. Abby opened her eyes and saw a young woman in a museum uniform. And I believe you dropped this, she said to Abby, handing her back the map. I'm sorry, I was showing my daughter that this isn't a real mirror, Abby's dad said, sounding embarrassed. It's a screen. See, kiddo? Still can't touch it, though. Too many fingerprints ruins the illusion, the girl said. Then she turned to Abby. That's a very cute elephant. Oh, I like this girl, Bluey said. Abby took the map and asked. Um, excuse me, could you tell me how to find the Tasmanian tiger? We've been all over the museum looking for it. I'm sorry, the tiger isn't here. See, it's such a rare piece that we loan it out to other museums, so people in other parts of the world can see how amazing it was. It's important for people to learn about animals like him, because it's kind of our fault they're gone. Hunting and deforestation put so many species at risk. Oh. Abby said sadly. I suppose it's a good thing that other people get to see it. I think it's a good thing that it's not here at all, Bluey told her. Where is it now? Abby asked. The girl from the museum looked at the ceiling, trying to remember. I think it's on loan to the Natural History Museum of London, she said. Bluey perked up. Wonderful, I've always wanted to see Europe. It's a bit far to go, Abby pointed out. Her dad patted her on the shoulder. And the only place I want to go now is home. Before the sun goes down and all these creatures start waking up, Bluey agreed, with a slight shiver in his voice. Abby shook her head and squeezed her elephant tight. Don't worry, big guy. I'll protect you. Hi, guys. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode. I know it's been a little while since anything new has come from ill-advised stories, but there's a good reason for that. I've been working on getting two new novels out. They're young adult science fiction stories and part of a larger series that I plan to write with seven books in it called In the Giant Shadow. If you couldn't tell by the adventures of Sparky and Spazoid, I'm a big sci-fi fan. This series has been developing in my head since I was a teenager. The first one, The Stars Beyond the Mesa, is out now on Amazon, and its sequel, The Ocean Beyond, will be out before Halloween. 
I'm writing the third book at the moment and hope to have a first draft by this spring. They're darker than the stuff on ill-advised stories, with the first book feeling a little like that TV show Stranger Things, with monsters and aliens and a research facility in the desert. If that doesn't scare you off, or maybe you're a little bit older, you can actually download a free copy of the first book at my new website, PeteAO'Donnell.com. I won't tell you too much about the second book, but when you see the cover, I think you'll be impressed. It's intense and really cool. Not to fear, though, I haven't forgotten about ill-advised stories. Before starting the third book in this sci-fi series, I wrote the sequel to Sparky and Spazoid, which I plan to release in the spring. Plus, there will be another ill-advised story coming out for Christmas, starring Dr. Augustus Mayhem and his sister, Missy. If you don't remember who they are, you can check out the episode The Crystal Cat Caper on ill-advised stories. And yes, in that episode, I play both the boy detective and the doorman. Back to Sparky and Spaz. If you go to Instagram or Webtoons, you can check out their comic strip. I've started following the plot of book two already, which might be a mistake since I haven't edited the book yet. But I'm having a lot of fun drawing the characters, so I'm going to keep going and see if I can get the whole novel done in little four pane panels. The music for this episode was provided by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening.